Good morning, church. What a blessing to be able to assemble today to worship our God. And we welcome both members and visitors alike. We're thankful that you are here with us this morning. Before we go to God in prayer, I would like to make just a quick announcement about September 23rd. The day is coming up for our cultural potluck. We've done it before. You all have been there. You participated. And we thank you for that. Uh, we ask you to be there for this one as well and participate. It's a great evangelistic opportunity. Remember, we're celebrating those who've returned, uh, old and new members alike, and we just, we need your help. And so please, uh, if you have not um, been asked, when you are asked to present a meal, we ask that you would please volunteer for that. We can't do this without you. So September 23rd, mark your calendar, um, and let's, let's join together in fellowship bringing glory to God and honor to his name. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A magnificent and mighty God in heaven, we praise your holy and divine name. In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth, did all through Jesus. And Lord God, the Holy Spirit hovered over the surface of the deep. And just the whole creation account that you've exposed to us, Lord God, there's, there's so much that isn't there. Because it took so much to make the heavens and the earth and all that dwells within. Thank you for your great power and for allowing us to know you and even to know that event. We ask this morning as we worship you that you'll help us to keep our minds focused only on you, on your word, your will, and your way. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee for be that will. Amen. We've already begun phase one, and phase one is continuing. And now today we begin phase two. And the idea, the theme behind phase two is alleviating human suffering. A lot of folks that are suffering in our world today. So I ask you to, if you have not, uh, read the bulletin. In the bulletin there will be some pretty uh, detailed and outlined facts about what we are doing in phase two. And how we are also coupling phase two up with uh, those missionaries who went to Honduras from our congregation. And so that information is in the bulletin. I ask you to read it. Um, today, I just want to go ahead and introduce the plight of the poor. I want us to think about that for just a moment. And I want to look at some scriptures that God has given to us where he has repeatedly emphasized to us the significance of caring for those who are less fortunate than we are. So with open hearts today, we uh, we ask the question, how do we discern, um, how can we extend a helping hand to the poor? It's a tough topic. It's an easy topic. It's really simple. But it's difficult because, you know, our hearts have been plagued sometimes with judgment. You know, you, there are all these questions that come up. You know, if I give money to this person, I don't know what he's going to use it for. And so should I give it to them? And there are all these things that come up. And I'm not going to address those this morning. Genesis chapter 1, though. I just want to make us aware of what the Bible says about, about the poor as a way of reminder. Number one, I heard someone say at some point regarding the poor, let's give them a day of dignity. And, and that bothered me. Um, I don't believe anyone deserves, if you will, we're thinking about what we deserve. I know we don't deserve anything, but a day of dignity. How about a lifetime of dignity? Well, we show respect for all people, all human beings. And so recognizing the dignity of every human being is always important. Um, 
not just for a certain season or a certain day. God made all of us in his image. Genesis 1 and verse 27, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 and the verse 2. God says, the rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. So we have to remember as we're going to Job uh, chapter 1, as we look at another human being, we don't know how they uh, became uh, a part of that situation they're in. Um, and so instead of being in judgment, we have to find mercy and compassion, right? Job 1 and verse 1, we're going to listen to the voice of a righteous man. A righteous man says, the Bible says there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. And I want you to listen to Job 31. What does a righteous man have to say about the poor? Job 31, as he was in the midst of his suffering and he recounts his life and he says, here's what I have done. I begin in verse 13. If I despise the claim of my male or female slaves when they filed a complaint against me, what then could I do when God arises? And when he calls me to account, what will I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And the same one fashions us in the womb. If I've kept the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsels alone, and the orphan has not shared it. But from my youth he grew up with me as with a father, and from infancy I guided her. If I'd seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or that the needy had no covering, if his lawyers have not thanked me, and if he has not been warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the orphan because I saw I had support in the gate, let my shoulder fall from my socket and my arm be broken off at the elbow. Job says, I was concerned about the poor. Proverbs 14. And so should, so should we. We should be concerned about those who are less fortunate than we are. In Proverbs 14, in the verse is 31, the Bible says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. Many struggle in this world, and we know that, right? 98% of the world today lives off of, I mean, what, a dollar or two dollars. You can go look at the world facts. We're just so blessed. And I, well, you said it this morning, and uh, directing us in the Lord's Supper for the focus. We are so blessed, and we, we need to make sure that we understand that, I'm going to Genesis 47, that God has given to us, and we are so richly blessed by God, and we ought to also think about, about giving and helping others. How did the poor become poor? Who knows? Right? I mean, there are so many stories. Uh, I remember living in L.A., and I remember... Uh, talking to some uh, ministers and they, they talked about walking the streets of L.A. and they were interviewing uh, the poor. And 
they were asking them how they how they got that way. Some of them, believe it or not, had PhDs, and some of them, I mean, high degrees, and just something really tragic happened in their lives, and and it and put them where they were, and they just haven't been able to mentally rebound from it. Some are just poor, born in impoverished lands, right? I'll come back to that in just a moment. And then let's just be honest: life happens, and I know there are so many who manipulate the situation. I'm not saying they don't. There's so many, so many who just don't want to work, and, and I know that. But let's just think about for just a moment. What if I were in that position? And could it ever happen to me? Well, think about the Egyptians, the world powerhouse in the, at the time in the book of Genesis. They were the world power, full of money and riches, and, and I mean, they had it all until a famine hit. Until disaster came. Like, you know, we know disaster. There are fires in Maui. Uh, there are situations uh, and fires overseas in the world. There, there are tsunamis. There are all kinds of disasters that happen. Here was a worldwide famine. And I'll bet you this, that these Egyptians never thought they'd be in this position. In verse 13 of Genesis chapter 47, Now there was no food in all the land, because the famine was very severe. So the land of Egypt... And the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they brought or bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? For our money is gone. Then Joseph said, give up your livestock and I will give you food for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys and he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. You think they ever thought they'd be in that position? They did all they could until there was nothing left. And when all the resources were gone, they were in poverty. Everything was owned by the government. Think about that one, right? Everything was owned by the government. Everything. And they had to sell themselves because that just took care of one year. Now pick up in verse 18. Look at what happened the year after that. And when that year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes? Both we and our land. Buy us and our land for food. And we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every Egyptian sold his field, because the famine was so severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. That famine was not to destroy the world, that famine was actually to do two things. Teach the world about God 
and save the world. This whole account about Joseph, go to Genesis 45, is about salvation. In Genesis 45, beginning at verse 5, the Bible says, And now do, you, do not be grieved or, or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And so the account of Joseph is about salvation and God's mercy. You see, because life happens. Life happens. Uh, we read about, uh, uh, you know, in America, the hurricanes that come and hit Florida and go through. Life happens, right? What are we going to do about that? Ecclesiastes chapter 6. How can we stop that? We cannot. We do not have that power. And so people are suffering in some countries and nations just plain and simply never recover from some of the tragedy that events, the tragic events that happen in their lives, from some of the tragedy that goes on amongst them. Verse 7 says, All a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage does the wise man have over the fool? What advantage does the poor man have knowing how to walk? Before the living. Unfortunate events happen. If you were born in a third or fourth world country, what do you think about yourself? Would you say, well, if I were born in a third or fourth world country, I, you know, I would still, I'd still have a house and I'd have this. And I, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> if I were born in a third or fourth world country, I'd be poor like everybody else. Not that I wouldn't have some kind of ambition and wouldn't try to do better, but I'd be poor like everybody else. And sometimes I think it's, it's, it's arrogance in my own heart and in our hearts, turn to Proverbs 22, to think that, oh no, I would be different and I would have the same life. And No, I'd be poor like everybody else. Proverbs 22 and the verse is 16. He who oppresses the poor to make much for himself or who gives to the rich will only come to poverty. So you say, okay, well, what would I do? Well, would I, would I do things I shouldn't do and oppress others so that I can become? What am I doing with my life? And what, what would I do? I don't know what I would have done if I were born in a third or fourth world country. But here's what I do know. I haven't been. It's born right here in America. And therefore, I thank God for that gift. But now, what am I going to do with what God has given me? Isaiah chapter 1. I've been told that your money is your money and you should keep it for yourself because that is a gift from God. It is a gift from God, but I believe the scriptures are pretty clear that God expects you to share. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1. What are those who enact evil statutes? Think about that, right? Make little rules and laws. For what purpose, Lord? What are those who enact stat uh, evil statutes and those who constantly record unjust decisions so as to deprive the needy of justice and rob the poor of my people of their rights in order that the widow may be their spoil and that they may plunder the orphans? Can you believe that? So we'll make laws and rules that would We've seen it, right? Turn to Leviticus, please, chapter 12. So the sermon this morning, you think, well, okay, preacher, we kind of, uh, 
we know all of that, and we understand that, and you're reminding us of things that we are very aware of. May I ask this question? What should my response be for the less fortunate? What should my response be? And why should I respond to the call today? Why should I even consider what, what you're saying to me, preacher? Leviticus 12 and verse 6. I'll come to that in just a moment. And when the days of her purification are completed for a son or for a daughter, this is giving birth to his motherhood, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. And she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law of, for her who bears a child, whether male or female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. If you can't afford to bring a lamb, God says you, you can bring... You can bring two turtle doves, and, that, and that'd be all right. That would suffice for the poor. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse uh, 21. Let me remind you of Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. You've read it a thousand times over. You know it already. I'm just going to remind you. And when eight days were completed... Before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And why was that law effective for them? Because they were poor. Mary was poor. Joseph was poor. Jesus was poor. That's why we should respond in a positive way to this lesson today, which is only but a reminder, Philippians, please, chapter 2, of something that you already know. Philippians 2 gives us more information about Jesus growing up. It says in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a rich man, and being made in the likeness of men. You say, well, that's what I would have done, right? But that's not what he did. He took on the form of a poor man, of a bond servant. That's what Jesus chose. That's what the Godhead chose. And then the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it tells us, you know, not, it's not that God couldn't have come in riches, but it wasn't about that. But he came so that we could look at him and say, this is my God. And then 
humble ourselves to be in his presence and learn from him and listen to him and esteem him and show him dignity and respect and reverence and awe. Because here's what the Bible really gives us information about Jesus. And it says this about him. It says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So he became poor. He chose to be poor specifically to teach us a lesson. Matthew, please, chapter 18. To be the one who suffers as the world suffers. As the world suffers, church. I, you know, you think about America, we have so many programs and we have so many ways out of poverty, if you will, opportunities that are, are there. And thank God for those, those ways that we have. But the rest of the world doesn't. I think one of the saddest things I ever saw, and I think one of the, and in my own ignorance, uh, I'm in a foreign land and I, and I watched a home just burn down completely. And I, I, you know, I, I had a cell phone and I'm in a foreign land. It doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work there. It does work. But, you know, I, anyway, I thought I'm going to call 911. That number doesn't work there. But I wanted to get help. Like, how do we get help to these people? And I, and I asked the, the, uh, the, the people, I said, how, how do we get help to the, the people up there? What do, what do we do? And they said, there's nothing you can do. What, what could we do? You all don't have any kind of services that there's nothing, sir. So, so what's going to happen to that family? And they said their house will burn all the way down and everything they own with it. And then their neighbors prayerfully will be there to help them to rebuild. I felt very ignorant at the time. I realized, you know, I guess I'm pretty spoiled. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. A certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You still want to follow me? Remember Jesus said, you, you folks are, are following me because you want food? Well, think about that. And they did. But think about that. They, they needed the food. Matthew 25. And even though their motives weren't pure, Jesus still fed them. So how then should we look at people who are experiencing poverty today? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 25 and verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you, and you came to me. Maybe I ought to have a, a different attitude about or toward the poor if, if it's not aligned with with Jesus. Proverbs chapter 19, and then I want to talk to you for just a moment about phase two. Proverbs 19, and the verse is 17. The Bible says, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he 
or we'll pray, we repay him for his good deed. Well, God says that is a good deed. You want to do good? Say, I'm a Christian, right? I do good deeds. That is a good deed. That's a good deed. So here we are in phase two, church. So that, again, this sermon was just a reminder of what you already know, and I'm thankful to God that many of you already are doing so many of these things. Phase two continues. Phase one is continuing on. Now phase two picks up. We start today alleviating human suffering. So here's kind of the idea of where we're going. During the fall quarter in particular, we'll be asking for donations of travel size personal items and these are for serving women in need. And this includes uh, our community, but also expands to the ladies' mission in Honduras. And so we are joining this uh, phase with the missionaries from our congregation who've gone to Honduras and returned with excitement and with a desire to do uh, good works for the Lord. So more information on that will follow. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet out there right now on the tables. As you come in, the communion is on one side, the sign-up sheet is on the other side. Um, if you're interested in joining the team, that particular team, Honduras, um, to volunteer at the local Henry House, serving prepared foods and meals, that opportunity is there. It's open for us. Um, there are some instructions that you have to follow to join that, but if you would like to sign up, please do so. There'll be an upcoming opportunity to serve at the local food bank. Uh, the ladies' prison ministry will begin soon. And in the fall, we'll uh, have a blanket drive. And more information on that will follow as well. So there, there are ideas that we have. Maybe you have more ideas that you would like to add to alleviating human suffering. Please see me. Let's talk about that. So there are things that we're trying to do while phase one continues on. Now we add phase two and we join it with other countries and places, in particular Honduras, thinking about those who are less fortunate than we. Today, after services, we're asking for your help. It won't take long. Um, let me not give you a time, but I'm sure I remember we've done this many times before in the past. It took about 30 minutes at the most. Um, we're asking everyone to line up out here uh, facing toward the kitchen, and there'll be food out there. And uh, there are non-perishable items. And we ask you to just, you're going to grab a, get a bag, receive a bag, and in, just grab one item per um, uh, category as you're going through. Fill the bag, tie the bag, and then set the bag down uh, against the wall. And you'll have to go through maybe twice, maybe, depending on how many folks are out there. And then that's it. Now, if you decide in your heart that you'd like to take one of these bags to uh, homeless in some way, feel free to grab a bag or two or three or however many you desire. Uh, there are going to be teams taking the rest of the food bags that are there out to our uh, homeless community to assist them and to help them in some way. And while you're there, what's the point? I think uh, Brother Heffington said it great. This is not about feeding people. It's about bringing Jesus to people, right? Although we're feeding people, we're bringing Jesus to people. So what we want to do is this. We want to make sure that we invite them. Now, how do we, how do we handle that, church? We invite them to come worship with us. Come learn about Jesus. Come have a Bible study with us. Let us talk to you about Jesus. Because that's really what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about Jesus. And in Galatians chapter 3, we close with this. In verse 27... For all who were baptized into Christ, 
have clothed yourselves with Christ. And there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor freeman, there's neither male nor female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Let's bring the gospel to so many more people. Let's keep doing what we're doing, and let's add more to it, and then let's do more. Right? Let's just keep doing more. Thank you this morning for your kind attention, and thank you for those who will uh, participate with us, giving us just a few minutes of your time this morning to uh, assist in preparing those bags to get those sent out to the lost. And by the way, if you decide that you want to help out, you don't have to give the food out today. It's not, they're non-perishable items. So there's plenty of time uh, that you will have to take that food out to someone in the community. If you know people who are suffering, your neighbors, for example, take a bag to them. If we can help in any way in our community, we want to be able to be there for them. We want to bring them the message of Jesus. This morning, if you're a member of the body of Christ or not, you're just here today and there's something we can do for you, whether it be prayer or, or baptism or whatever it may be, if we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation, why don't you come? Mm-hmm.